This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hey everyone, this is Kelly Herbick here from the Northeast region on the Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm here with Cheyenne Markowski, our summer intern. Cheyenne, can you tell us who our guest speakers are for today? Thanks for that intro, Kelly. Today is June 15th and we're here joined with agronomist Kevin Fry from the Western Pennsylvania and Ohio region and Ryan Permilia who covers Eastern Pennsylvania all the way down to Southern Delaware. Welcome everyone. Thanks. Hey, how's it going today? Yeah, hey, good afternoon guys. Great, so today it looks like we're gonna dive into a topic around soybeans, but before we dive into that primary topic, let us take a minute to talk about our weekly odd and unexplained. So Kevin or Ryan, who's got this week's odd and unexplained topic of what you're seeing out there? Hey, I've got one. Ryan, remember last week when you were telling us of that story about uh, the pop-up fertilizer and the, the two rows that were showing up? Yeah, I, yep, I remember. A, I pulled onto a farm here this morning, and as I, as I pulled in there, uh, as I was approaching the field, I could actually see almost like diagonal lines going across the field. And I thought, huh, I wonder if this guy worked that field in kind of a diagonal manner. And then as I pulled up around, I saw another field, kind of the same. I saw these diagonal rows going across there. And then up on another hill, third, fourth field, I went to as I'm scouting around, I see the same pattern starting to show up. I know what the world's going on here. And then from up on top of the view, the, the hill, I looked down across the side of it, and I could see almost the same striping going across the rows. All right, so now we've got patterns that are going with the row, across the rows, and diagonal. So I started looking at even a little closer, and... Basically, what I found is that within about three to five plants within a row were nice and green and robust, and then you'd skip ahead, and there'd be three to five plants that were shorter and a little more paler, then it would jump right over to three to five plants that were darker green. And basically, what it was doing is, is with that in-row pattern as you went down the row, and as you got, if you, you know, if you've ever seen the pictures of like uh, Arlington National Cemetery, you ever see the diagonal rows? Well, as you get the right angle, next thing you know, you see these diagonal rows going across there. I don't, still don't know exactly what it is. This is why we call this the unexplained, Kelly, is that I think what happened, this is like my hypothesis, and I talked to the grower, and he's not even sure, but I think what happened is that that planter pass, I think it was putting out its starter fertilizer kind of almost in a pulsating. It wasn't putting it out in a true, true steady stream that it was throwing down a little shot of starter fertilizer here, and then it would skip a beat, and then throw a little bit down, and then skip a beat. And it was causing this undulation that went down there, and it was giving these crazy, crazy patterns to the eye. So it was uh, kind of an interesting follow-up follow to your story last week, and I kind of found something similar this week. Yeah, that, that's definitely odd and, and unexplained. I'll be interested to see if that um, shows up later on some satellite imagery as you push through the growing season. I quite possibly might. We'll have to, we'll have to look for some of those odd stripes and streaks from uh, from the sky. What type of satellite imagery do you use, Ryan? So we use um, granular insights is the one that I have most of my growers using, um, which is, you know, granular is partnered with Pioneer going forward. So um, it, it does a really good job for us of giving us a true satellite image. And then with that true satellite image, it actually overlays a crop health index and gives us, um, you know, basically a, a rating of greenness or, or crop health, I guess is the simplest way to put it, and really allows us to do um, some directed scouting, you know, from an iPad or from a phone or from a desktop 
instead of having to visit, you know, each field each day. And uh, there's some stuff it does with, you know, rank order as far as variability within fields and changes throughout um, different, different time periods. So it's a really handy tool that, you know, allows Kevin and I a little bit of uh, flexibility as far as visiting locations and, and uh, more pinpointing what we need to see and where we need to be. So. Yep, I've heard I've heard it's described as uh, as easy as scouting your fields is as easy as checking the radar on your phone now. Well, that's a cool analogy. Maybe we can dive into that one in more detail in another uh, another uh, podcast session coming up. So if we jump back into this week's topic, um, we are going to talk about soybeans. And one of the hot topics that I'm hearing about on Twitter, on social media, on news and press releases is this um, dicamba ruling. So what is going on with this? Who can kind of give me the rundown of, of exactly what's happening right now? Well, boy, this is uh, uh, an interesting topic for sure. Uh, it's one that has gained a lot of a lot of uh, news and a lot of attention uh, last week, and I'm still getting a lot of questions even as we roll into this uh, this week. Um, basically, what it boils down to is that there's a the night. What do they call it? The Ninth District Court or Ninth Circuit Court uh, ruled last week, or it was a week. It was back on June 3rd is when they actually ruled on it that they had to vacate the product registrations of uh, Ingenia, Fexapan, and Extendamax. Basically, they, they ruled that they had to vacate these. And then from there, it was about, about three, four, five days went by until uh, June 8th, if I remember correctly, is when EPA finally came out with their ruling of exactly what this means to us at the, at the farm gate. And really, in, in summary, what EPA said in their response to that is that basically it was a stop sell, all right? So now they're, you're pretty much done selling that those particular products. And as far as growers and retailers are out there, they were allowed to use the existing stocks on premises on June 3rd. That's how I remember what the June 3rd, when the court ruling date was, is that if you had those products on your farm June 3rd, as of June 3rd, you were able to spray out and use those stocks, but you have to use them by July 31st. And I would recommend, you know, there is so much speculation. There's so much changing. If this is an ever-changing, quickly thing, and I'll throw in our kind of a disclaimer here, is that you're going to want to check these EPA. you got to keep up on this topic because even if you're listening to this podcast uh uh, a couple of weeks from now, things could have changed very drastically. So this is an ever-changing, and this is basically the news as of, uh, you know, when we're recording this. So things can change. Keep your eyes out. Talk to retailers. Talk to Department of Ag. Talk to Extension folks uh, if you've got any questions about this. Yeah, just, just to be clear on that, Kevin, where should you go for information if you have questions? Can you call that out? Yeah, I, I go to the Department of Ag. So basically, whatever state you're in, go to their Department of Ag. So each, basically, the, the label is a federal document, all right, and that's what comes from EPA. And then from there, each of those states can approve the, that document as is or make any changes to them. So, you know, for example, there's some states that have changed that, uh, changed that label to say they have a hard stop at June 15th. You're not allowed to make any applications past that date as opposed to the 45 days after planning, like the federal labels say. So go to your state uh, Department of Ag for specifics on, on these products. Okay, good to know. So 
I guess, you know, with that ruling and people have beans out there, extend beans out there, um, what are some alternative herbicide programs that we should be looking at or considering? All right, so another good question. It's one I'm getting a lot of. Um, and again, reach out to your extension services, reach out, reach out to your retailers for some information. But really it boils down to, I guess I, I put it in a, a two different buckets. Number one, what's the weed species you're trying to control, all right? So this is kind of in that case where you planted full season beans and you were planning on a dicamber product application post, uh, but no longer have that opportunity and don't have that product. So now what are you gonna do to control it? So if you were dealing with some of the, the pigweed species, you know, if you've got some water hemp, palm ramorant, some of those tough ones, or even some of the other kind of broadleaf weeds like lamb's quarters or a red root pigweed or smooth pigweed, the group 14 PPOs do an extremely good job at doing those, okay? Those are very effective at controlling those particular weed species. Now, uh, mare's tail, on the other hand, is completely different class, all right? So if you're dealing with mare's tail and trying to control that post-emergence, those group 14 PPOs aren't gonna work. They'll burn them, you'll feel good about it for a couple of days, but they're gonna recover and still produce seed and gonna be a, a nuisance. There, the challenge is gonna become there's not a lot out there that you're going to have a lot of effectiveness to kill them. Really what you want to try to do is just control them to going seed. I recommend going with a, a high rate of glyphosate and adding in some type of a, an ALS uh, herbicide, kind of like a, a classic or a, a first rate would be a couple of options that you could put in there. And really you're just trying to stop seed production on that mare's tail at this point in a situation where you're pretty much limited to glyphosate uh, roundup only type bean. So Kevin, Ryan, do you know, so group 14, is it PTO? Did I hear that correctly? No, excuse my enunciation. It was PPO. PPO, uh, okay. It's basically, yep, yep. So basically each herbicides, all the herbicides are broken down into a number of different classes. Uh, group ones, twos, 14s, 15s, etc. And basically that helps to identify their mode of action in those group 14, uh, PPOs, I, I forget what it stands for. I, I just remember PPO, all right? So those are, they're contact herbicides. So basically the reminder on those is we haven't used this type of herbicide in a long time. They're gonna cause some, some burn. So after you spray this, you're gonna wanna go on a fishing trip for about a week and not look at your beans because you're gonna cause a, a fair amount of injuries. So if you've ever had like Cobra, for example, Cobra, Reflex, Flexstar, those are the type of herbicides that uh, would fall under this category. Uh, and they do a good job on, on the, those pigweed species type weeds, but they're gonna injure some beans and you're not gonna wanna look at them for a few days. Okay, thanks for clarifying all that. Ryan, did you have any information to add about other alternative products? Yeah, just to echo um, a lot of what Kevin said, the, the thing about the dicamba decision from the ninth sorg occurs, there's just a lot of vagueness and um, from, from growers, we're just getting a lot of questions about what can I do, um, what should I do, and how am I going to manage um, issues that I thought I had a way to manage in season that, you know, now I'm looking at an option of not managing it. So I echo what Kevin says as far as talk to your state officials, um, your state Department of Ag, because we've already seen some of the Corn Belt states make different, you know, decisions on what they want to allow. So um, I think that's going to be the key is rely on your state. And the other thing uh, that I think we, we should 
talk about and, and send a waiver out there is, you know, if you can't get your hands on an, uh, you know, an extended max and ingenia uh, effects of pan using a older formulation of dicamba to try and get by is something that we do not want to do. It's something that I think that growers should take a, a very, very hard stance on as far as no, because if we do that and we have issues like, you know, like we typically see with stuff like Danville, it's just going to set us up um, for failure in the future with, with a lot of these just going forward with trying to manage weeds and soybeans and with the different tree packages that we have available. So follow the label. And when you, as long as you follow the label in your state, guidelines i think everybody will um, be able to get through this and you know it's it's, it's going to be vague but if you have questions ask um, and i think that's always a good motto to go by with uh, herbicide applications if you have questions ask i don't know what do you think about that kevin i agree don't be tempted avoid the temptation you know you may have a, a tough marisol problem out there but don't go get a, a generic dicam and spray on there there's just far too much scrutiny out there on on the system right now and in any off-site movement, uh, you know, even without the receipts for those products, you're looking at off-product label, federal fence. It's not something you want to do. It, just avoid that temptation. There's just far too much scrutiny out there right now. It's not worth the risk. Yeah, and the other thing, the other thing to think about. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to interrupt here, but you know, with early planted beans, full season beans, and we've seen you know bean planting be pushed earlier and earlier and earlier every year. Um, the dicamba label limited you to go out at R1. Um, so if you've got April planted beans, R1, I have some guys that are one in the southern portion of my territory that are there now. Um, and if they're not there now, they will be, you know, maybe by the end of next week. So they were cut off with the, you know, extended, extended max, Texapan and Ingenium label anyway. So those guys um, are less affected by this decision as we, than if we were looking at somebody trying to manage it um, within, within a double crop situation or with a delayed soybean planting situation. So those guys might have bucked out a little bit, I guess is the best way to put it. So Ryan, you, you just mentioned double crop. What, what should we be considering for double crop beans then? Um, I think if you're, if you're running out of a way to, if you're still gonna stick with a, the extended tree package in a soybean and you're running out of a way to manage you know, weeds using a dicamba product, I think that, you know, you need, maybe need to look at a residual, which I think in a double crop situation is something that we don't often talk about a lot. Um, and then the other, the other thing to talk about too is there hasn't been any label changes to Enlist E3 soybeans, um, which were commercially launched this year by Corteva AgriScience. So they are um, a triple stack soybean herbicide trait with glufosinate, glyphosate, and 2,4-D choline. So Liberty Roundup and 240 choline, um, enlist one or enlist duo, whichever um, your region would be using. Uh, so we haven't seen any changes to the 24D label from the EPA or from the Ninth Circuit Court. Um, so that's an option for growers to go with. Um, and the other thing is maybe looking at, like Kevin said, some of those PPOs, some of those group 14s. A lot of times you'll see group 14s and group twos paired together um, that do a pretty good job of working on some of those tough to manage weeds like mare's tail. Um, so, but I think the biggest thing is ask questions because you're going to have to maybe adjust your plan based on some of the stuff that's going on with these labels. Got it. Any, any other thoughts on that, Kevin? Yeah, I, the, 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 the nozzle head uh, weed science geek in me has got to talk about Enlist for just a minute. I mean, I'm going to go 
I think double crops are just the perfect spot for enlist. I love the, 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 the weed control power, the flexibility, the effectiveness of this whole system. It's just something I've, I've been excited for it to come out and it's finally come out and I think this is the place to go. Whenever you take weed crop off, you basically, you're cutting off all those weeds and you're really making them mad. You know, you take a, a mare's tail, whatever that weed may be out there. When you cut it off, we've got some drier conditions. This thing is just plain old mad and tough to control until it starts to regrow. And you want to get that double crop being planted as soon as possible. With the enlist system, you can go in there and target some of these tough to control weeds with multiple modes of action and or effective modes of action. I just love the opportunity to go in a double crop situation and go with a tank mix of uh, Liberty and uh, Enlist One together. And you've got two effective modes of action against those weeds that really, really put to, uh, put to power weed control in, against those. So that's, I'm really excited for Enlist in this, in that particular opportunity. And I think that's a, a great way to go. And if you need to throw the, the three-way tank mix out there to get some improved grass control, you've got the flexibility to do it as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for the insight on this topic. I know it's been buzzing all over um, and I think it's good to just kind of take a minute, talk through it and make um, some common sense out of, of what we're hearing. So thanks for the time today. Uh, we will give you a quick preview of topics to come. Um, we will also be diving into that granular insights topic that you teased us about there at the beginning in, in one of these upcoming episodes. But we'll talk more about diseases and, and other pestilence as the season progresses here with the soybean crop as well. Thanks, Eric. Right. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Cheyenne. Talk to you guys next time. Yep. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Everyone. Have a good one. And um, Kelly and I have our Twitter posted. We have Kelly at, at Kelly Herbick, and my Twitter is at Shy Markowski. And then also feel free to follow Pioneer's Twitter at Pioneer Seeds and the Corteva Twitter, Corteva US. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.